Well, if you're making notes this morning, I've called this message, God is always near. And let's go ahead and turn in our Bibles, please, to Isaiah chapter 41. We are presently in a series looking at Truth on Fire. It's based on a book by Adam Ramsey, our fellow Australian. And the whole underscoring of the whole book, and indeed our series, is that that we would gaze at God until our heart sings. That we wouldn't just be a church built on truth, important though that is, but we'd be built on truth in a way that it actually affects our emotions, it affects our soul, and it affects the way we live and the way we think. Well, just last week I got to preach on the reality that God is lovingly relational, and I did it from one verse in Matthew 13, verse 44. This morning, looking at God always near, I'm once again going to look at just one verse. It's Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. This is the word of the Lord. And this is God looking us in our eyes this morning as his people and addressing us individually and clearly and passionately. And this is what he says. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Let's pray. Well, Lord, what a highlight of the week this is when we get to pause to be addressed by you. Lord, what could we possibly want more than that? So, Lord, thank you for the privilege it is to sit at your feet. Thank you that through Jesus and his saving work, we can boldly approach your throne so that we can be addressed by you, almighty God. So, Lord, have your way in us today, we pray, by your grace. And would it all be for your glory? Would our hearts be stirred? In Jesus' precious name, amen. You know, in Adam Ramsey's wonderful book, Truth on Fire, he tells of a story of how one evening he is driving home with his family one warm summer's evening. And as they round the corner near their house, they see just a hundred meters away the most monstrous sized python crossing their street that they have ever seen. Now they live in Queensland, so this is obviously not unusual. But this individual snake was unusual. It was massive and it was stretching as if from one side of the street to the other. So he pulls into his driveway, he has six children, pulls into his driveway and immediately they all leap from the car and they go running down the road towards this snake. Well, as they get closer, obviously everybody slows. And then he has two four-year-old twins and they begin to hold his hand, one at his right and one at his left, and everybody slows because this thing is massive. And they just stand there for a moment and look at this great python crossing the road, everybody slightly in awe of this python, everybody slightly standing at a distance, and his two four-year-olds just holding his hand and leaning in to take a look. Well, the sun eventually begins to set and go down, and so they begin to work and move back to their own house, and they turn around, and as they turn around to head back to their own house, Adam's eldest son says, Dad, we should race. 
And so the smash talking begins. They start to really help each other and edge each other on. He says, I'll give you a head start. And off this eldest son runs. And the dad goes running after him with all his might. Now, there's nothing more pathetic than watching an overweight old man running after his children. But we all do it because we want to win the race. So he sprints up the hill. All the kids are sprinting up the hill. He gets to the top. He wins the race. He does a victory march like Usain Bolt. He is declaring to everybody that he is the fastest runner in his house. But as he's enjoying the victory, he begins to hear the distinct shrill of a scream of a four-year-old. And he recognizes it is his daughter, Eliana. And as he turns around, doing the pose of Usain Bolt, as he turns around, he sees his four-year-old Eliana running up the hill as fast as she can, crying her out, screaming. And he's wondering, what's happened? So he runs towards her and he picks her up. And as he holds her in his arms, he begins to piece together what has happened. Eliana didn't get the memo that we are running in a race back to the house. So Eliana thinks, the giant snake is going to kill me, and I am by myself. So she's running up the hill as fast as she can because she feels alone. She feels afraid. This snake could kill me, and all I'm seeing is my dad running off. Well, Adam, as he holds her, as he holds her in his arms, he also then begins to shed a tear as himself, realizing what he's done and realizing what has taken place. And he explains to Eliana, Eliana, I would never leave you. I wouldn't run away from you if you were in danger. If you were in danger, I would always place myself between you and the danger. Eliana, you have nothing to fear. Can you imagine what it would be like for Adam going in his house and explaining to his wife what's just occurred? It's going to be an awkward conversation. But you see, everybody involved in that moment learns something. Eliana learns something. We all get to learn something, I think, as we listen into this story this morning, and it's this that it's in the presence of someone more powerful than us and who truly loves us that true courage is found. See, Eliana, when her dad was present, she's fine. She's holding onto his hand and she's leaning in to see the giant python because she knows I'm safe because he holds me by my hand. He's more powerful than I am. He loves me. I'm perfectly safe. But when she turns around and sees her dad, stronger dad, who loves her running up the hill, she's now afraid because she's by herself and this snake might hurt her. And in truth, my friends, I think as we go through life and as we face the snakes that sometimes cross our roads in our lives, We can be exactly the same. When we feel alone, we can feel overwhelmed. When we feel by ourselves, we can be anxious and fearful about everything that is taking place. And God the Father knows that we can feel that. And so the Father himself looks us in the eyes this morning as his people, and he wants to say this to us. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed. For I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. And I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Imagine being the original hearers of that text. They've just been told by the prophet Isaiah that they will soon be taken into a Babylonian exile. What he's saying is, listen, 
An enemy will come into your city, they will come into your country, they will take you all, they will remove you from all your houses and all your belongings, they will take you to another country where you'll live in exile. Imagine how anxious you would feel at that moment. Imagine how comforted and courage-provoking these words would be as you realize we are going to be sent to a different country, but we are not alone. God himself, the great I am, is with us. It's here to design, to cultivate and bring comfort and courage to our souls. And my friends, this verse then wasn't just for those original hearers, was it? It's here for us as well, that it may cultivate comfort and courage in our hearts, even when snakes are crossing the road. And so I have three points this morning, three points we're just going to literally follow the stanzas of the verse. It's not hard nor complicated, but I come to this message really with one hope. And it's that as we gaze at the Lord, and as we gaze at who He really is and how near to us He really is, we may all feel courage then provoked in our hearts. Courage. Because we will all face snakes crossing the road at different times. But God Himself is always with us. Three points then, and here's the first. Number one, fear not, for I am with you. Fear not. You know, in our lives, if we're honest, there are many things that can provoke us and tempt us to fear, aren't there? Many things. There are the snakes of health challenges that come and cross our roads. We go to the doctor. We're not feeling quite right. And he does a series of tests. And before you know it, you're getting a call to say, you should come in because there's some things we need to talk about. And what he tells you isn't good news. And what you can so quickly feel is fear. Fear for the future. What is this going to look like? What is this going to mean? It can be overwhelming. And then there can be the snakes of relationship challenges that cross our roads at different points. Marriage challenges. A relationship that we've been working hard, that maybe we've been in for many years, but we can see it breaking down before our eyes. And however hard we try, we just can't work out a way forward. Or maybe friendship challenges. Friendships and relationships that you've enjoyed and looked forward to for years in your life, but for whatever reason, they're beginning to break down. Or maybe family relationships. Kids that no longer want to follow Jesus, that aren't really that interested. And it breaks your heart as a parent as you look on, but you realize there's not a lot you can do, and what you feel is fear. What about... The financial challenges, those snakes that sometimes cross our road. We're busy renting, and rents keep going up and up and up. So you think, okay, it's no problem. I'll just move out and find a different house. But you can't find one because those rents are also high, and there's 50 people there every time you want to see a house. And you can feel fearful. What's this going to mean? What am I going to do? Or maybe you own a home, and you're also seeing the rates going up and up and up, and you're wondering how you're going to manage, because recently you become aware that your job isn't as safe as you thought it was either. There are so many things in our lives that can provoke and invoke fear in our lives. Snakes that come across our street that we can be fearful of as we see them. And so God looks at us in the eyes himself and says, Fear not, for I am with You know, that is such a loaded statement, the word I am. It is the name that God gave for himself 
in Exodus chapter 3 to Moses from the burning bush. Moses asked him, who shall I say has sent me to your people? And he says, tell them the great I am has sent you. This is the King of kings and Lord of lords. This is the one who was and is and will always be. This is the one who is greater than you could ever imagine. And if we take the book of Isaiah alone and just take what we learn about God from Isaiah, we can be amazed to see the greatness of the great I am who is with us. I mean, for a start, we learn in Isaiah 40 verse 15 that he is greater than the nations. Check out these words. Behold, the nations are like a drop in a bucket and are accounted as dust on the scales. That's a staggering statement. He's comparing and contrasting all the great nations of the earth that have ever been with a drop in a bucket or like dust on scales compared to the greatness of God. I don't know about you, but when I wash my car, I take a bucket out, and if a drop falls into the driveway, I am not worried at all. Why? Because it's just a drop. If you're weighing something on scales, you don't look at it carefully and think, oh my, there's a piece of dust. You don't care less, it's just a piece of dust. And what he's saying is all the nations, all of them, Assyria, Persia, Rome, the United Kingdom, Australia, China, you name them all, rack them all together, they're like a drop in the bucket, a dust on scales compared to the greatness of your God. He's above and beyond us in every way. He's also greater than creation. From Romans chapter 11, verse 36, we read, From him and through him and to him are all things. I love that. He has made all things. He is sustaining all things. And one day, every knee will bow before him. It says that even the trees of the field should clap their hands when he returns. For from him and through him and to him are all things. He has made all things. He sustains all things. It's why your heart is still beating in your chest right now. And one day it will all go to him. You know, I was thinking about this reality just a few weeks ago when Aaron and I and our younger kids were in Surfers Paradise. We had a great time away as a holiday and it was really sweet to be together. But one evening, it was a very warm evening, and so we made our way to Burley Heads for ice creams. I would strongly recommend it. It is wonderful. And as we spent time in Burley Heads, it's, it's, it's like dripping wet. It is so warm, but I'm, I'm in a happy place. I spent 35 years in England. It was so cold. I'm never going to moan about heat. Okay, so I enjoy the heat. So we're standing there, and we made our way over to the beach with our ice creams, and it was the most wonderful of scenes. The moon was huge and it was bright. The sun was radiating off it. It was so bright that it was like it was lighting up the entire ocean. And so as we got on the beach, it's like 8 or 9 o'clock at night, but you can see everything. You could see just the light reflecting off the crest of the waves as you looked out. And it was massive. I mean, it's just filling my entire vision. And then it was reflecting on the sand. It made the sand almost look like silver. And I realized, man, this beach is massive. It's wide, and it just goes on as far as you can see, all the way to surface and beyond. It's just so vast. And as I stood there, I just couldn't help but be reminded of Brenda's message from a few weeks ago where he helped us understand that God is unrivaled. Because as I looked out at the ocean that evening, and just saw its vastness, I became aware again, this is just a small part of the oceans of the earth. 
the oceans of the earth that fill over 70% of our earth. And yet Isaiah chapter 40 verse 12 says that it is God himself that can hold all of this in the hollow of his hand. And then I looked at the sand and I thought, you know what? It would take me like (laughs) a thousand lifetimes to try and count how many pieces are here. And yet God knows their exact number and he can scoop up all this sand along with all the 1.2 million mountain ranges of the earth. He can take it all up and he can weigh it as if on kitchen scales. Such is his mind. And then I looked up at the stars and listen, there are a lot of them. And there's a lot of them burly heads. I don't know whether it's, you know, the lights are starting strong, but I don't know, there's more stars. And as I looked up at the stars, I was aware that Brennan told us you can see about 9,500 of them. So I'm trying to count. There's a lot of them up there. And they were magnificent. I was aware that that evening in the warmth of the Queensland sun, you were just standing in awe of God's handiwork and how he brings all these stars out one by one. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 26 says, Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name. By the greatness of his might and because he is strong, not one is missing. Oh, my friends, how great is our God? There are over a hundred billion stars in our galaxy. There are over two trillion galaxies. And the Word of God tells us, as you look up at the night sky, it is He that brings out their host one by one. It is He that names them and numbers them. And it is He that sustains them, which is why you're still looking at them. This is the greatness of our God. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords, the ocean in the hollow of his hand, all the dust of the earth on scales, all the stars. He sustains them so that not one is missing. And what that means, obviously, is he is greater than each and every one of us as well, isn't he? He's far greater than us. We can so easily domesticate God so he's just like a mate. Hi, how are you going? Yeah, I'm going well. That is not who he is. He's far greater than you could have ever asked or imagined. And we see that so vividly in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. In Isaiah's vision of the Lord, listen to these words, listen carefully. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Oh, pay attention to the words. His robe filled the temple. In ancient times, kings and queens would vie for supremacy. And the way they would vie for supremacy to show that they were the greatest king in the world is they would have the longest robe that they can. And Isaiah is specifically telling us that as he gazed at God on this day, his robe filled the temple. It's going round and round and round because such is his majesty. He is the king of kings and lord of lords. The seraphim then that stand behind him They are flying with two of their wings. The seraphim are literally translated as the burning ones. These are burning beings. We're not looking at cherubim on a cloud. Burning beings. Wings they are flying behind the Lord. With two wings they're covering their feet to cover their earthliness. With two they're covering their faces to protect themselves from the sheer magnificence of the one who's on the throne. And as they cry out to one another, as they fly behind him, they're crying out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. 
And it says that as they sang this aloud to one another, as they declared this to one another, the very thresholds of the temple began to shook. Their ground is shaking. But what they're crying out in actual fact is set apart, set apart, set apart is the Lord of hosts. He is above and beyond you in every way, greater than the nations, greater than creation, greater than all of you. This is the great I am. And this is the one who looks you in your eyes this morning and says, fear not, for I am with one who spins the stars. I'm with you. The one who holds all the hot water in the hollow of his hand. I'm with you. It's staggering. A.W. Pink, the English author of the 19th century, says it this way. He says, God is solitary in his majesty, unique in his excellency, and peerless in his perfection. So he is. He is alone, solitary in majesty, unique in excellency, and peerless in perfection. He is above and beyond us in every way. And then he tells us, and I'm with you. I'm with you. You know, we get a sense of this in King David's Psalm 139. I think King David understood this only wonderfully too well. That God himself was with him. In Psalm 139, verses 7 through 10, this is what he sings. He says, Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. King David knew only too well, God, the great I am, is with us. Where can we go? There is no molecule or atom that you can hide in this earth that he is not present. He is fully present, equally everywhere at all times. And he guarantees, as you face snakes in the road, behold, fear not, I am with you. I've got you. I'm holding you. And then he tells us in the second stanza of the verse. And be not dismayed, for I am your God. That's my second point. What does it mean then to be dismayed? How does this differ from fear? Well, it does differ. See, dismay is the feeling that we get when we are greatly concerned or distressed about something. It is a feeling then of great concern and distress. It's that feeling that we get then when we feel that the sky may be falling in or that the train of our lives may be derailing in some way. It's that feeling that we get that surely this is it. This is the end. The sky is falling in because nothing good can come out of this. Surely. I mean, surely this is it. Surely this will be the storm that finally sinks me. I won't recover from this one. Or surely this is the sin that causes Jesus to go, you know what, I'm I'm done. I've tried my best. I've hung in there with you, but not anymore. Go on your way. Or surely this is the trial that I just can't endure. I just won't be able to manage. I mean, I can manage lots of things, but not this. I can't cope. It's too much. 
Maybe this will be the thing that sinks me. That's what it feels like to be dismayed. It feels like profound aloneness. It's effectively anxiety of cosmic aloneness, that I'm just going to be left alone, and I can't cope with it. And Once again, then God himself looks us in the eye and says, Listen, be not dismayed, because I am your God. My friends, I don't want you to miss this. I don't want you to miss just how personal these words are to you. God himself isn't just addressing like a crowd in this moment. He's addressing you. He's addressing you individually and purposefully and particularly. See, I've had the privilege of being a pastor now for 24 years of my life, literally half of my life. And one of the things that I've discovered throughout my ministry is how quickly when people are going through trials can remove themselves from this statement. So I can see how God is near for everybody else. I can see how everybody else should walk through life with courage because he's clearly near and faithful and kind. But not, not me. I don't know why, but just not, not me. See, one of the lies of Satan is God's just talking to everybody else but not you. And God himself then pushes Satan aside and says, no, I'm not. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you individually. God in his grace wants you to not be dismayed because he is your God. Listen. God himself was the one then that knitted you together in your mother's womb. If he hadn't, you wouldn't be here. All the things that you love about yourself, he made that way. All the things you don't like about yourself, yeah, he made that too. Your nose, or your neck, or your legs, whatever it is you don't like, yeah, you were given that gift. Congratulations. God was the one who knitted you together in your mother's womb. He was also the one that chose you before the foundation of the earth, that you would be holy and blameless in his sight. He's the one before the earth was even in place. Knew your name and knew your frame. And chose by his grace to say, I'm going to save you. And then at the right time, he sent forth his son to die in your place. A role that the son gladly embraced out of love for you as well. And together they did it so that you could be forgiven of your sin so that you could be adopted into the very family of God, so you could know that heaven is your home, and so that you could have a genuine relationship with God in the meantime, knowing through the Holy Spirit that He isn't just with you, but Father and Son are in you. You can warm yourself by their fire. You can spend time with them because they have a relationship with you through the person and work of Jesus Christ. And now, what He wants you to know is He will never leave you nor forsake you because he is your father and you are his son or his daughter. My friends, you are not then just a number before the Lord. You're a name. A name that he gave you before the foundation of the earth. 
a name that has been written on his palm of his hands, a name that he cares for with personal and passionate and particular attention. So be not dismayed, for I am your God. And then he tells us this in the third part of the story. He tells us what his hand then will do for us. Understanding that he is our God, understanding that we need not fear because he is with us, this is what his hand then will do for us. He says, I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's beautiful. First up, then he tells us, listen, I will strengthen you. God himself will strengthen you. Listen, We all go through times and seasons where we need to be strengthened by the Lord, don't we? When our knees begin to quake, when our heart begins to become troubled, when we begin to become concerned that things are very difficult and I have no idea how I'm going to get out of this and I just can't stop thinking about it. I need God. God himself tells us in just the chapter previously, Isaiah 40, verses 30 to 31, He says, even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. My friends, is that not good news? God himself says, listen, I get it. I get it that you're going to feel weary at different times. I get it that you're going to feel faint at different times. Here's what you need to do. Come into my presence. Come and spend time with me. Come and spend time by the almighty fire and you will receive strength for the day ahead. Just as I explained last week, it's not complicated. When we spend time with God, we will rise up like eagles. When we spend time with the Lord, our lives will look completely different. It is a promise from God himself. I will strengthen you. Come to me, all who are weak and weary. I will strengthen you. Come and spend time at my feet. I will strengthen you. It's a promise of God himself. What a promise. What an opportunity to warm ourselves by God through his word and through prayer and understanding that he will fill us afresh as we do that and he will give us the daily bread we need to work through the day. With his hand then, he will strengthen us. With his hand, he tells us, he will help us. I love that. God himself will help you. Who wants to be helped by the one who spins the galaxies? I'll take that. That's what he says right here. I remember when my kids were little, for those of you that have children, for those of you that don't, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's that moment when a little person comes to you and says, oh, can I help you? And everything in you goes, please don't, because that will be no help at all. So you're trying to get on with the job and you realize as you're doing the job, they're creating more work for you. It's just a disaster. You know, it's not always pleasant when your kids say, can I help you? Because you say, oh, yes, that would be wonderful. But in your heart, you're going, no! But this is God. This is Almighty God saying, hey, listen, can I help you with that? I'm here for you. I love you. I know exactly what you're thinking. You don't even really need to tell me because I knew before it even formed in your mind. You want me to help you with that? I believe he has the power to help. He's King of kings and Lord of lords. And right here he says, with my hand, I 
will help you. And with his hand, he tells us, he will uphold us. I love that. The same expression then that is, in effect, talked about in Isaiah 40, about how he relates to the stars, how he upholds the stars. He sustains the stars so that not one is missing. He looks at you and his children and says, listen, just like I care for the stars, I'll care for you. I will sustain you. I will uphold you. Listen, if he cares for the stars that way, how much more will he care for you that way? He upholds us. No wonder then the Apostle Paul says this in Philippians 1 verse 6. He says, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. He was sure because he's aware, I am upheld by God Almighty. I am loved by God himself. He strengthens me. He upholds me. He helps me. So I'm sure of this, that he who started a good work in me will carry it on to completion because he never fails. God himself looks you in the eye and says, listen, this is what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to strengthen you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to uphold you. And then he tells us he's going to do it all with his righteous right hand. Listen, in the Bible, no word is out of place and no word is meaningless. Everything is there for a reason. He could have just said, and I will uphold you with my beautiful right hand. Or my really good right hand. No. I uphold you with my righteous right hand. It's a righteous right hand. Why say that? Well, it's the reality that because it is a righteous right hand, that it is unfailing and unchanging and wavering. It is a right hand that is all-wise and all-knowing and all-powerful. It is a right hand that is all-present and all-perfect and will never, ever lose its grip. So he looks us in the eye and explains, I will do all these things with my righteous right hand. My friends, for all of us in the room, we will all face at different points in our lives moments where snakes begin to cross the road. They may be health snakes. They may be relationship challenges. They may be financial snakes. They're coming. And yet here's the reality. It's in the presence of someone more powerful than us and who truly loves us that true courage is found. Eliada was able to stand looking at this snake crossing the road, holding her dad's hand, even leaning in, because she's aware, you've got me. And this text is here because God wants you to know that whatever you're going through in your life, it's exactly the same. He's got you. Fear not, for I am with you. And be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Brothers and sisters, God is always near. He's never far away. He's never going to leave you nor forsake you. And So for you as an individual, as you walk through life and you face things that can invoke fear in your life, I want you to remember this verse and remember how close God is to you, who He really is, and the reality that He will never let you go. Because what that will provoke in your heart is not fear, but comfort and courage for the road ahead. 
So if you're here today as an individual, I want to encourage you. God is always near to you. Keep trusting Him. Keep renewing your strength in Him. Keep running to Him. And you'll find Him to be the faithful Father that He claims to be right here in this text. This text is true for us all as individuals. But it's also true for us as us as a local church as well. Today is a big day for us. Today when we multiply into two different services. We've never done that ever before. And if you had told me in September 2010 when we launched this church that that's what would be happening, I would have gone, eh, eh, we're always going to be one. <laughs> but it appears that God has other plans. And He is the Good Shepherd. He is the ultimate one that leads us as a local church. And so we want to respond to Him and His work. Today is a big day for us. But the reason why we're stepping out of faith and doing it as a pastoral team and as a group that are leaving for 5 p.m. is because we believe this verse. That God is with us. That He will never leave us nor forsake us. That we can trust Him and know Him. And that He will uphold all that we do. And so I'd like to ask all those that are a part of the 5 p.m. service, why don't you come on up onto the stage because we're going to be praying for you in just a few moments. The kids are going to come in, the builders and the conquerors. You can to the other side. Why don't you welcome up all the 5 p.m. crew? All right, good. You might have to go on to this second bit as well, perhaps, because there's quite a lot of you. You can go up there too. Sub up, sub down. (laughs) Wait for the younger kids to come through. Here they come. Let's welcome the little guys through. Good to see you guys. Well, you're everywhere. Ah, great. Well, for the 10 a.m. crew, look around. This is your church for next week. This is what it's going to look like. It's important to realize there's gaps. And we want to pray that those gaps will be filled with new people. We want to pray that the Lord would help us as a 10 a.m. crew to step forward, to reach out to more people, to trust in Him, and to pull people into a church where we can tell people about the precious name of Jesus and make room for others. And 5 p.m. crew, thanks for putting your hand up to do it. Thanks for being willing to step out in faith. Amen. You know, when you decide to make decisions like this and you decide to have a go at 5 p.m. and things like that, you never know if anybody's really going to sign up. And three of us trying to start a church service is going to be really awkward. And so we thank God for you. We thank God for your faith, for your courage, and your willingness to say, you know, I'm going to try and do something different. It was... A group like this that we looked at 14 years ago when we started the church. And this is what it became. 
I pray this is what it will become as we step out in faith. And so we just want to pray together. Why don't we stand together? Brendan's going to pray and then Austin. And then I'll close in prayer as well. Is the words of Jesus. Whether you're staying or trying to join 5 p.m., uh, this is the words of Jesus to us. John chapter 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Lord God, we thank you that you have risen, you are reigning, you are victorious, and just before you ascended, the one thing you wanted to give to us is peace. We know that you're with us and that we can have courage to step out in faith. Lord, I thank you for every name here on this stage that's stepping out in faith to be part of this service here. And for some of them, counting cost, uh, all of us counting cost in leaving our friends that we love, coming together with each week, family, uh, back at 10 a.m., Lord God. I pray that you smile to see your favor. Lord, would you bless them in new ways? Would we experience fellowship in a, in a deeper, more intimate way? Would we experience joy of welcoming others into this community who are now not a part of any church community? Would we be able to celebrate in baptisms come Easter and people even giving their faith to Christ that right now are lost amongst the 97% of our city that is lost and without you, Lord God. And would all of this serve great glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm. Yes, Lord, we just thank you so much for every soul that has gathered in Christ throughout. We just pray in particular for the youth, Lord, and the children in our midst, Lord. And Lord, it was so good just sitting with them last week, just having a meal together. And Father, I just pray that you would multiply the children in our midst. Yes. Father, that there'd be a real sense of fellowship and friendship and wanting to spur one, one another on in this. Yes, we right. pray for um, as many of the people who support you who, who come to a saving knowledge of who you are. Lord, we pray that you would raise up teachers in our midst who could lead the children and, and, and to grow them and, and, and to be with them and, and walk with them. Lord. We pray for the children themselves to have such a wonderful time and just in service, that you that they will be um, brimming with excitement to, to yeah. invite their friends in, to, to join, and to yes. come and see who you are, Lord. Yes, Lord. Father, we just pray that yeah. you do a mighty work, not in our generation, but just the generation that is coming as well. Yeah. A mighty work among them, yes. that they would sing and praise and glorify your name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. Well, Lord, we do trust you. As a local church, we trust you, Lord, as we multiply into two services. We're still one family. And Lord, this is a family that is going to be trusting you for the rest of our days. Lord, would you establish the work of our hands? We can't do anything by ourselves, whether it be at 10 a.m. or 5 p.m. Lord, we're pretty powerless. We're not even that great. But you are wonderful, and you are God, and you can be trusted. You can do things that can blow our minds. Lord, I pray for revival. I pray that we'll look back and see, man, you didn't just add a few. You added loads. Just look at what the Lord has done. And so, Lord, as we step out of this boat and as we trust in you, 
Would you have your way in your people, Lord? Would you make us alive in you? Would we be a church that lives our life by the flames of your word, by the flames of your presence? That's what it means to be a Christian that's on fire for you. We're just so warmed by you that we can't help it. Lord, I pray that we'd all be individuals like that. Oh Lord, as we step out in faith, would we do so knowing that we serve a God, a great I am, who is always near, always faithful, and always good. Would it all be for your glory, Lord? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we thank these guys for stepping out of faith in this way? Wonderful. Wonderful. Thanks, guys. You can head on down. The band can come back up. So I want to encourage you, please come out to Envision. I've already heard rumors of, oh, is that on tonight? Is it that important? As you can just see, we're going through major changes as a family. Please come, because you need to learn how this is going to work and what this is all going to look like. The kids are going to be having a movie through there, which will be good. We'll have an overflow for those with smaller kids. It's very exciting. There's a lot of excitement. All right, we'll hand over to the band. Let's sing to the Lord.